0: If you
1: love Star Wars and love the excitement of chasing your favorite Star Wars collectibles, the Star Wars Digital Card Trader Collecting App from Tops is for you. Collect and trade with friends new and old through the Star Wars Digital Card Trader Collecting App from Tops. These are the cards you're looking for. Courage.
0: This is some rescue.
1: Strength.
0: Here they come.
1: Determination.
0: I know what I'm doing. Good. The name's Ahsoka Tano
1: and evil yes my lord
0: this is a rebellion isn't it i rebel now on you do as i tell you okay i think it would be wise if you took
2: advantage of my knowledge in this instance this joint has to get to the resistance base as soon as possible r2 where are you i call it aggressive negotiations
0: with Kenobi presents
1: Lattes with Leia with Amy Ratcliffe and Dr. Andrea Letamendi. And now, here's your host.
3: Welcome to episode 13 of Lattes with Leia. I'm your co-host, Amy Ratcliffe. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Andrea Letimendi. Happy 2017. <laughs> right? I was like, is it? What year? You-
2: it is. We haven't we haven't burned yet in a dumpster yet. I yet. don't know why that's my current in analogy, a dumpster fire. Yes, it's
3: <laughs> appropriate for a lot of situations, I find. And besides being twenty seventeen, it is our year anniversary. So happy anniversary right? Yes, happy yeah. anniversary <laughs> lattes with Leia. Happy anniversary. Dates are hard.
2: Well, I think also it just feels like it's not been a year in a good way, right? I feel like we just started this wonderful endeavor and that we've, in a way, I feel like we've been talking about Star Wars for the entirety of our friendship. So that's That's one thing that feels very normal for us. (laughs) But at the same time, I feel as though this podcast is still very, very new for me at least. And so, um, it's hard to imagine we've been doing this for a full year.
3: I know, and I I think the same way, I'm like, oh, it feels like we'd have it. but I'm like, no, thirteen episodes, that's that's a decent number. I am very proud. I think more than ten, I feel like. I'm like successful. It's a thing. As far as keeping it going, because that's the hardest <laughs> like with starting any new endeavor, like a podcast or a Tumblr or bigger things, like it just I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of projects I have where I'm like, I'm going to do this. And it lasts for two months. And so I'm glad that we have, we have persisted.
2: I I appreciate the commitment and I know it's not easy for either one of us. There's there's a bit of production work that goes into it, but, uh, but I do appreciate it. I have a lot of gratitude for it and I hope we continue to, keep doing it for as long as we can and for as long as people will listen to it
3: agreed because it's something i look forward to each and every month and i've made started to make a note so we don't forget to cover this very important topic on each show about what we're drinking what are you drinking (laughs) (laughs) Drea?
2: I'm drinking some hot tea. It's, it's a little bit boring, but I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm, and I'm, I know what you're drinking, which is why I'm saying hot tea is very boring.
3: <laughs> Mine is super exciting compared to hot tea. It's a bottle of water. It's not even flavored water or brain-enhancing water. It's oh, there's, just, there are no cognitive enhancers in your water? Not that I know of. I mean, it's Target brand, so maybe. But no, it's just water. I had thoughts about getting a latte on the way here because I pass a Starbucks with the drive through on the way oh. to your house just on uh, nearby. Yes. I had make, let me not tell people where you live. The exact address <laughs> where that Starbucks is. Um, but I thought I'd be cutting the close with time. But now I'm like I could have had a lot. Well, you know, no, because it's late. If I had a latte then I'd be awake until midnight.
2: I it's a school night. I tend to not drink caffeinated beverages in the evening. So I understand. I,
3: I probably made a good decision then. So that,
2: well, you know, one of caff- the more exciting
3: our, <laughs> one of our ca- our caffeine routines are very important <laughs> for people to know.
2: Some people have a database around this, they, and they, some bets
3: bets they do always ask about drinks, or I, I get a lot of comments on that. So I feel like it is a thing we have to that we have started and we have to commit to for as long as we do this podcast maybe somebody does have a spreadsheet that they've kept track of what we've been drinking. I wouldn't be surprised. I, if any of you do, let us, let us know. I wonder if there are some trends
2: or patterns or any kind of like analyses that, that you could, I don't know. Put it, like, yeah. I,
3: like I feel like you could probably make some comparisons about hot tea to when we've been sick. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I feel like there's been more than a few times where I've had colds on this podcast. I don't know. But I think we are both recovered from our our Christmas colds, right? Our winter colds. Yes.
2: Yes. I feel much better. How do you feel?
3: Better. I think my cruise, going on a cruise, solved my cold. Uh, This is right. You are back from a cruise. Yes. Which, that's a great segue, because that's my Star Wars thing that I'm excited about. For anybody who is joining us for the first time, well, welcome, first of all. But also, on every episode, we take a minute to talk about what What specific thing in the world of Star Wars has us excited? I mean, we're a Star Wars podcast, so we obviously like all or most of Star Wars. But we like to hone in on one thing, home in even, and talk about why it makes us happy. And I just got back from a Star Wars day at sea Disney cruise to the Western Caribbean. Awesome. So how many days, how many nights? It was a seven day cruise, which wow. was, yes, that was my initial reaction too, because I did a three day one to the Bahamas, uh, a little over a year ago. And I don't know what it was. I think maybe because it was hot, that was a problem. I didn't, I didn't quite get it on that cruise. I was like, okay, that's the thing I did. I do know that if I ever do another cruise, it's still going to be Disney because I, you know, I think other cruise lines have like casinos and lots of stuff that I don't care about but Disney I can wander around and like run a Jiminy Cricket or something. So that's more my that's more my thing. So this time around I enjoyed it. Seven days it went faster than I thought it would. Hmm. The seas were unusually rough. Yes, which was a concern um because we left and then the next day was our first day at sea. And we were going from Port Canaveral to uh, where did we go the first day? Cozumel. Okay. And even like the crew was commenting like this is not normal, and it was to the point where they just put barf bags like in all the public restrooms. They were just waiting for people. That's a bad sign. It was bad. Um, And I I have problems with motion sickness, but somehow I didn't. I didn't feel ill. I just had a hard time walking around, as did everyone else. Right. Right. The slightly amusing thing was that was formal nights on the crew. So people were dressed up and ladies like had to, like I saw so many people carrying heels because the boat oh, was so yeah. wobbly like I couldn't. But anyway, the Star Wars Day part <laughs> was the second day at sea later in the week. And it was basically it was just like a combination of celebration and what used to be Star Wars weekends at Disney's Hollywood Studios mm-hmm. like combined into one day. And they had people, and by people I mean Star Wars characters, running around the atrium, in the, which is kind of the middle of the ship if you've never been on a cruise, like where you walk in. It's this big open area that's on this particular ship, which was the Disney Fantasy, was a few floors. And it was very—and there were Jawas walking around trading with people— Sam Wessel was like lurking around, which I thought was a, like, I'm like, that's very deep cut. Yeah, that's great. And they had meet and greets. Uh, this was the first time you could meet Ahsoka. They had a live action Ahsoka that I almost cried over meeting because she's my favorite. And she was really I like the pictures like that are like of me talking with her are just me smiling from <laughs> ear to ear, like and looking like, you know, like a little girl and you're like you sway from side to side. Yeah. That was me meeting Ahsoka. And I don't know. that was just a packed day. Like you get your little, every day you get a navigator in your room. That's your little newsletter of events, basically, for the day. So I took that and I just made a list. And I had times, like, I had a very, like, I need to copy this list on a piece of paper. It was very serious, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I could not miss, I didn't want to miss <laughs> the Yoda drawing class. I didn't want to miss the costume celebration. There were paper crafts. There were theme food and drinks.
2: So would you say that most people on this cruise were Star Wars fans? I'm trying to imagine that's such a large ship, you know, that everybody on the sea voyage um, somehow affiliated with Star Wars. Like either they were a part of the entertainment uh, or, you know, like they were affiliated with the event or they were there to celebrate Star Wars, so to speak. So they had some level of fandom. I can't imagine you just happened to book, like you were interested in a Disney cruise and you just happened to pick this one.
3: I would say there was a mix there that ship holds 2,500 passengers, which is, and I think 1,500 crew members. So it's a ton of people. And because this year, you know, the first year they did the Star Wars day at sea was 2016. And there were only a handful of sailings, like maybe seven, and this year there are fifteen, so I think if you wanted to do a western or eastern Caribbean cruise, you know, from January to April, then you might have just kind of ended up on the Star Wars oh, one. Okay, but that said, I saw so many people all week long in Star Wars T-shirts, her Universe stuff. Uh, some people like on formal night. There's this group. It was a a mother and her two daughters. They made formal attire based on Leia vader and phasma so some people kind of got into it every day and adjusted their outfits so i think it was a mix of maybe some people who weren't super familiar with star wars sure like there was um i went out of curiosity they did a star wars 101 presentation on wednesday night the day before star wars day at sea
2: is that to weed out people who don't know about star wars they just (laughs)
3: kick them off the ship like that's it like you you can't pass the test you're out of here (laughs) Um, that would be amusing, but it was the opposite, where <laughs> okay. it was like, here, we're just here to tell you, here are the broad strokes about what Star Wars is. So if you don't know, at least you have a little information going mm-hmm. into tomorrow to help you hmm. it's be, helpful. be prepared. So, and it was a lot of fun and it was fun to talk to because it was a media trip. So along the way, I interviewed some people on the Disney side, and to learn from them that you know before Star Wars Day at Sea, like they weren't necessarily into Star Wars, but that they learned because of work, but also because of seeing the fans react to it. Like the fans teach them. So that was an interesting angle. Like and on the Disney side as well, there were people who were novices, and also like the merchandise guy was a super Star Wars nerd. So it was it was fun to see. Like the range and how people got into it. There were so many cool costumes. Like people, somebody a lady, a lady packed a tauntaun. She wow. made a tauntaun that she could like you know strap herself into and she packed Aww. it. I'm like, how the cruise rooms aren't very rooms aren't very big on a cruise ship, no, too. Oh my like, where's where's that tauntaun living when you're oh gosh? I'm like, yeah, I hope she had a room with a window. So as you can tell, that was very fun.
2: It, it was, was more
3: fun than I expected. So
2: needless to say, would you you would do it again yes. in the future if Me- you had a chance to do it?
3: Yes, I would prefer that it be a non-tropical cruise because I don't really like to go in the ocean. So there's limits as to what like when you stop at ports. Like I went to a tequila tasting in Mexico. Ooh. That was up my alley. But a lot of the other ones, like in Grand Cayman, like all the excursions were a lot of like snorkeling and swim with, no, like swim with string rays. Like I don't want to do that. Oh. I don't want I don't to swim with any ocean creature. any creatures actually. Let's just draw the line there. No creatures in yeah. the ocean. No swimming in the ocean. Yeah. So yes to Star Wars Day at Sea. I'd prefer they did it like on an Alaska cruise. That might not really be practical. But if you have the chance, even if like me you're not super into tropical destinations, like highly recommend.
0: Cool. I just
3: talked for a really long time about that. <laughs> it was so fun, and I have stuff coming, like as a plug about that cruise on StarWars.com. Like all, all those costumes I talked about, yes. like fan costumes, awesome uh, soon. So so we can all see it. Yes, and. You recently did a really cool, also Disney related Star Wars thing. Yes! Please tell us about yes. this incredible feat you just so accomplished.
2: I am kind of slumped in my chair because I ran the Star Wars half marathon at Disneyland on Sunday. So, uh, I, what, I'm, four days ago? Yeah, I'm trying to keep track of the days. It was a wonderful race. I should disclose that it, it, it technically is my first. Well, it is my first half marathon and definitely one of my first serious races. I had done one kind of relay thing before, but nothing at this level. Um, and I ran, I finished. That's a um, big deal. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's, which awesome. is, that's That was miles my goal. Far. far. I, I did feel, especially at the 10th and 11th mile, <laughs> that it was a far distance to run. But I have to say that... The uh, the landscape and the atmosphere and just the people that were running with me, around me, that truly made this experience so much better. I'm not a runner. Uh, once in a while, I run short distances, but had there not been the element of Star Wars and Disney, I'm not sure that I would do it. And um, just to kind of give folks an idea of what that looks like if they hadn't been to one of these... You do have to be at the park fairly early. I'm worried to tell you, Amy, because I know you're not a very early morning person. You no, know,
3: when I did the 5K, I had to be there at 5 a.m. Four thirty-eight. Yeah, sorry. So,
2: you, so you're uh, you're right on on track with with that. That's that was exactly when we had to be there.
3: Favorite part? It
2: was very grueling to be out uh, out on the street uh, in Anaheim so early in the morning.
3: And it's January, so it's cold. It
2: is cold. Even it was in California, yes. It was cold and there were 12,000. There were over 12,000 of us. What? So there's there were a lot of people. But um, the great thing about the, the course is that it goes through the Disneyland Park, the California Adventure Park, through some of the grounds, through Anaheim, some of the um, well-known streets of Anaheim, and there were.
3: Wait, there are well known streets of Anaheim. Tell well, me more. I,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to be careful because there's a, you know, by the, by the convention center.
3: Yes. So the. Those are well known to us. Yes. So
2: okay. where the hotels are, where the tourists go, the convention center. Um, I don't really feel like I don't want to shout out like hotel names, but we're, you know, we're the hub of.
3: The uh, route's online. Yeah.
2: You can find it. Yes. Uh, but having said that, it was really the folks and the fans that made a huge difference. Like um, the not just the official um, characters and costume inside the park, and people did get off course and stand in line to take pictures, which I, I think was pretty amazing. I was too nervous to. I was too nervous about finishing to like really wait to in stop. line. Stop. Yeah. But they had uh, R two D two, C three PO. Phasma was there, Chewbacca, of course. Okay,
3: so characters you don't just get to meet every day in the park, at least not in Disneyland.
2: Right, and I would say I'm guesstimating like maybe four um, photo ops that they had established there. And then on the track outside the park, there were, uh, you know, of course, the 501st was there, Uh, you had uh, cosplayers. Oh, like to
3: cheer you on.
2: Yeah to take pictures to cheer That's you cool. on they had marching bands they had all sorts of things that that just really encouraged you to keep going and of course at the very end when you finish there's a huge uh, you know arena there's there was uh, after the finish line you could take photos in the trash compactor, you could take photos oh, with a Wampa. Okay. So there's all sorts of cool things you can do. I think they did a wonderful job, really stamping this with Star Wars. It it really isn't just an afterthought. There is so much that um, that really it just kind of um, you know embraces the Star Wars Star Wars characters and narrative and. Um, and so, along with folks running and wearing costumes, of I was course, going to ask
3: if you saw any neat costumes. Oh my gosh! Did you see a Arradis by chance? No. My friend Holly like made an ad. Like she did the whole weekend because she's crazy. She does a lot of run Disney stuff. Uh, Holly, for those of you who know, who know Full of Sith, she took my place on Full of Sith, and I mean that is like Holly's amazing. Anyway, she made a Arradis like head. It's not her first Mon Cal. She makes everything. She's she runs. She's crafty. She goes. Yeah, I don't.
2: I don't know. And she she did the five k, ten k, and half marathon. Uh And she did the Rebel run.
3: The Rebel. Yes, she did the Rebel run. So, but I was say if you saw Raddus, that that was hot. Oh,
2: that's amazing. Maybe she was well ahead of me. In the run <laughs> because I was not I was not one of the the fastest, but uh, I I do think that the medal I have oh, it right here for ooh, you to I look at. See. I do think the medal is really what makes it all worth it. By the way, on the east coast it is the dark side, and on the west coast it is the light side. You know, I would have flown out there to
3: do. I know, the I'm dark surprised. Side. Like it's right. I'm like it's right after or before a celebration this year, so I you could do a think whole. Think so, yeah. So I believe,
2: please correct me, folks, if I'm wrong, I believe the Kessel Run is when you do both half marathons or, or both or like the 5K, 10K and half marathon on both, both, both coasts. coasts. I think that's what it is. Which is amazing. And if anyone out there listening has done it or will do it, uh, let us know, because I want to congratulate you. That is quite that's a, an endeavor. I, I'm amazed. I can't even
3: imagine. Um, I can barely do the 5K. And I want... I've, I mostly want that. <laughs> let's be honest. So.
2: so, so let me see. Yeah, I'm handing you the medal. Uh, what I like about the medal? It's heavy. It's heavy. It's it's because I think. Oh, um, it's too. Oh. It's the light side. So on the and it swivels around. So what you see essentially is the medal that that our heroes received at the end of Star Wars: The Original Movie. And then on the other side, if you flip it around, it's. Han and Leia, Oh. and I believe there's some stuff engraved there about it being the half marathon and yeah, and the, the Star date. Wars stuff.
3: Let me give it back. So you yeah. actually, sorry, I'm I was like, like wow. I don't remember what's on
2: there. Uh, it says Disneyland Resort, so you have the Disney and the Star Wars features on here. What I think is special about this is, of course, that um, that Carrie Fisher is on this medal, and, and I know that they designed this well ahead of, um, the tragic news. This wasn't necessarily done in tribute, uh, to her, but the fact that this was given to so many people after, um, it's already starting. I'm already tearing up.
3: Yes, I understand. I think that's lovely that so many people got to walk away after doing something that's such an accomplishment. Like, I think that is the perfect, like Princess Leia is, yes, something that's really hard to do, and that so many people probably had to push themselves. Like I, I can only imagine like when you get to that tenth mile and you're like, "Am I done yet?" Like I just want to stop running. So it's like the Rebel Alliance, like it is, enca- like encapsulated in a race. Like you just keep going because you hope you're going to finish. And thank you for articulating that yes. as
2: I'm sitting here in tears. I got you. That is absolutely the <laughs> feeling that i had and and to be able to to see her face when I finished was so meaningful. And the fact that thousands of people saw that is is just amazing.
3: yeah, I didn't realize that many people did the that. like that's really sweet. I happened to be at the park later that day briefly. And I saw some of the medals, but I think everyone I saw had the medal of yeah, like just happened had the medal of Yav yeah and flipped around. So I hadn't seen the Han and Leia side yet. Because that is a thing, that's what you do. You put on your medals and you go to the park yes. and you show that business off. Oh, I totally, I totally <laughs> did that. That's what you should do. Would you do it again?
2: I would do it again. I don't know that I would do another race just, just to do another race. I, I would definitely do. Um, another Star Wars Disney run, maybe a 5K.
3: Yeah, the 5K. It's, is, it's more. <laughs> I the don't 5K know. is more fun too at Disneyland. Well, besides it being shorter, uh, because we don't have as much space here at Walt Disney World. So the 5K is mostly in the two parks. Like you don't go out into the oh. wilds of Anaheim. Besides to the famous streets of to Anaheim, the well-known streets <laughs> of Anaheim. Whereas, like at Walt Disney World, you know that's just a sprawling area. So even if it's not all in the parks, it's all on Disney property. But it's humid in Florida, so I don't know that I'd ever want to run there on purpose. So, But I liked the 5K. Like, I think I would do that again. I would definitely do another Star Wars Disney run. Do you have any advice for people who are thinking about doing a Star Wars? Or not even necessarily Star Wars, but a Disney like a Disney running event, run Disney's become such a big, I felt this is a tangent, complete tangent, but I felt terrible the night before we left for the cruise on January 7th. And that day was supposed to be just like the Disney world half. And because of this terrible storm they got with lightning, they had to announce on the Friday night before that they had to cancel it, which was, I don't know how often that's happened or if it's ever happened but it was a big deal because so many i don't know if the num- i'm sure the numbers are comparable like thousands of people like made plans to mm-hmm. come in the bars were filled with lots of Aww. kicked off runners that <laughs> night and i do not i don't blame them
2: i would say well in in my in my experience in my short experience or my my uh small sample that i can pull from i would encourage um, folks to try and run with others because I think that helps to uh, just to kind of su- so have someone to support you and, and to motivate and encourage each other and um, and just also to be accountable because there were so many times where I just wanted to stop and I knew that it was important for me to keep, keep going, going and to have other people with me that I knew um, that were cheering me on and, and that I knew would, um, they believed in me. They believed I would finish. And that was important as far as training goes, obviously training by running, um, short and long distances as much as possible was helpful. Having a giant meal at, um, what is that restaurant in downtown Disney? It's Italian.
3: Oh, is that? Oh no, that's Epcot. Um, I know what you're talking about as the guy with the the pizza. Yes, the, that's right totally off. it. Yeah, I'll I'll think of it. Yeah, um, Paul. No, I don't know. But there, did you like? But that's not what you're supposed to like. Eat carbs before a race or something.
2: We ca- we totally carved up the night before. That's the which, thing, yeah. right?
3: Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. I just eat carbs all the time, regardless. Eat, no, I'm gonna say regardless of whether I'm running, I'm never running. I just eat the carbs. That was one thing that we made sure to do, was to have
2: a giant like pasta Italian meal. Um, I'm trying to look it up for you guys. It says Naples, but that's- Maybe that is is it. Is that it? It's an N something, yes. We'll go with Naples. And to not drink tequila the night before.
3: Oh, I don't know that that was a, a wise decision. But I mean, tequila is good. To so. not, I didn't
2: drink tequila. Oh, you did not. But that's that's my recommendation: is to try not drink alcohol.
3: That it, okay? I thought you did. No, I, I did gonna, not. It, do, can, I, can I have another random tangent? Yes. <laughs> did you drink tequila the night before your race? I did not. But that tequila tasting in Cozumel, I learned like that you like they don't. Tequila's not necessarily unless it's not good. Tequila made for shots. Like there's tequila that's like good enough that you can just sip like you would whiskey, wow. and it's a uh, the kind I liked was tequila añejo, and I tried some at the gift shop and bought it because I'm a sucker. But yeah, you can just now like I've had one since I've been home. You just pour a glass and like you would whiskey, and I don't I like it neat and it's very it's very good. So. If any of you are curious about tequila, <laughs> a don't drink it before a race, and b, if you're drink not it racing, straight. just drink it straight in a glass. We it's need our, we need to
2: do another podcast that's like tequilas with tantons or something.
3: <laughs> oh, yes, I'm just picturing them riding on hoth. Yeah, one hand on the tanton.
0: <laughs> Come with on, artist! Our end. artists
3: need to get on this. Oh, I would. That would be delightful. Well, I'm glad you won, accomplished such an amazing thing, and are still walking and functioning without injury. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm glad to be back. Next January, if, if when they do it, if slash when they do it again, like I would do the 5K with you. I'd love that. That would be fun. Cause I enjoyed that. I just didn't like the, I did make the mistake of not getting the hotel room down there the night before and I had to get up at like 2.30am and that was okay. not a That's, wise life
2: decision. <laughs> that would be my other recommendation yes. actually. I'm okay. glad you brought that up. So my other recommendation is uh, now I would say if you, can, if you can if you can finance this get a hotel room at the park or close or very close by the convention center uh, the night before because you will be waking up at 3:30 and four in the morning maybe an holy hour some crazy hour and get a room or, or have a second night because you're going to want to immediately lie down or take a bath yes. or take a nap and you're no longer like they you're not in the park anymore so it's not as if you can it's not as if you're giving up an opportunity to hang out in the park you are <laughs> you are now out of the park because they need to clean it up and have it ready for guests. So one thing that we made sure to do was to get a room to continue to kind of like uh, You can
3: go take a shower and
2: nap. Exactly. And then to go back to the park afterwards and and drink tequila.
3: Obviously. (laughs) It all comes back to Disney and Star Wars and tequila. And we should have had, I feel like, tequila or some alcoholic beverage tonight because... Being our show is named Lattes with Leia and we both loved and respect the hell out of Carrie Fisher I think that, I don't feel like we had a, I don't mean to make this like we were obligated, I feel like we had no choice but to talk about Carrie Fisher
2: In our last show we we literally recorded it the day that she was in the hospital and we did not know of what the prognosis would be or the outcome. And I have to admit that I was very hopeful. Me too. And I had a very, very little expectation that it would be so tragic. You know, I just did not expect it. And I appreciate the time with you to talk about it now because in the last show we weren't, um, we hadn't heard the, the news yet. And so we haven't yet talked about it right and as tragic and as upsetting as it is i think it's important for us to to make a tribute to her through one of our episodes and i completely agree with you that it is because of carrie fisher that we're even sitting here right now doing this yeah
3: that's completely true yes So we're going to pause very quickly for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back to honor the force of nature that that was Carrie Fisher.
1: Hey, it's Dan Z. And Corey Club. From Coffee with Kenobi. And we are excited to let you know about the Star Wars Card Trader app from Tops. Yeah, Dan, you remember those cards that came out in 1977, the good old days? Well, they're back again. Yeah, so it's... The Star Wars Card Trader app has them all, as well as fantastic images from The Force Awakens, The Clone Wars, Rebels, and much more. Absolutely. You've got your favorite characters, memorable scenes, you've got key moments. It's all there. You get credits every day for free from the app, which is available fr- from iTunes or Google Play. Open packs from the cantina, trade with your friends, and enjoy these amazing Star Wars memories as you take your first step into a larger world. There are so many different sets to choose from, also, and there's so many great cards to chase. There's special inserts, there's rewards for completing sets and variants. It's everything you love in collecting from a galaxy far, far away. The Star Wars Digital Card Trader collecting app from Tops. These are the cards you're looking for.
3: Okay, we're back, and I want to go ahead and say, like Carrie Fisher did so much in her life, it, you know, her career, her work. Her talents were not just limited to the galaxy far, far away when we're going to touch on many things, but because that's at least how I, you know, actually, I think I might've seen her first in When Harry Met Sally, but not until, I didn't know until later when I saw Star Wars. So I know her really, that's how I knew her first was Princess Leia. So we want to talk about, you know, her in the role, the character, kind of what that it just the character and it's not just Lay. Lay would not be Leigh without Carrie Fisher. Right. And something I wanted to share, I, I've heard her say at least in a couple panels. It was just and it was always a delight to watch her on a panel because you never knew what she was gonna say. And you it was just always also kind of fun to watch the moderator be like, I don't know what she's gonna <laughs> say. Like that kind of look on their face of like, this right. could be awesome or go terribly awry.
2: And yet, I mean, even though there's that sense of uh, just uncertainty and anxiety, Carrie Fisher holds the room, right? Like she, she is very genuine and yes, sometimes she says things that most of us just think and never are able to express. right. And she has... um, No filter. No filter. And I admire that. It's the most amazing thing. I think that... I was, and we'll get to this, but one of the reasons I looked up to her so much is that here is a woman who has gotten to a place in her career where she can say everything that comes to mind and she knows that there are no uh, consequences that would impact her ability to continue to move forward. And I think that is power and that is feminism and that is... um, and that is uh, success, you know I think that's just a wonderful thing to see and to experience so uh so so I apologize for interrupting you about that but but that that anxiety and uncertainty is um is so real, and yet I would never leave the I would want to know exactly what she's going to say,
3: yeah, whatever it is, like I'm one hundred percent in and you know, I think see what you said about her. Just, I, I feel like she, even if she never didn't feel it when she was younger, like she expressed, like she will, she acted in a confident manner, and in a way that was her, and not dictated by the people around her. And it ties back to the thing that I that I heard her say on a couple of panels when she auditioned for the role of Leia, is because people, you know, one of the questions it, I feel like when with that kind of character and she's done like panels and things for as long as she has that there's like a bingo card of questions and inevitably one is you know how did you get the role of Princess Leia and that came up at somewhere I saw and she's like I think part of it is because I wasn't tilty and squeezy and by tilty and squeezy, I'm going to enact it. You can't see it, but if you've seen Carrie Fisher, like she would be like she doesn't tilt her head and like squeeze her sh- I just squeeze the headphones, but squeeze her shoulders and smile oh, like that's that what kind that of means. like I, you know, I'm just here doing my thing, and i will do whatever you tell me, and she wasn't she's like, I wasn't like that. i she didn't say how she was, but that she's not that like, and I'm sure when you have. It, you know it's and it's something i i'm guilty of doing and when i want to make a good impression i'm maybe a little more sugary and nice than i actually <laughs> am you know i don't let my real grumpy old lady side show when i'm trying to get a job so and i like that even then that she wasn't conforming i guess or wasn't at least not necessarily conforming but because there's nothing wrong with being tilty and squeezy, but she wasn't right. changing herself into something right. that she didn't feel she genuinely was, and I think that comes through. And Leia, because it, even now, when you think, like, you know, where we're used to a world of Disney princesses, and those those are that's an evolving state, thank goodness. But in 1977, for sure, that's when you think princess, it wasn't. I don't think it was what we got with Princess Leia, right? She was take charge. She saved their skin. She was bossy she she just didn't back down, even when that probe droid came in. She didn't start not the probe droid but the uh, interrogation droid. Mm-hmm. You know she had a look of fear on her face because you should be scared of that, but she didn't like break down in tears, and that was, that's what I would do if a thing with a pointy needle came at my face. So, and I think Carrie Fisher brought a lot to making Leia a different kind of princess.
2: What I appreciate about her representation of the character is that to get a little bit personal, as a child, I didn't necessarily know how different that princess was, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. She was Princess Leia. She was a princess. And that's one of the versions of of being a female hero. That's one of the versions of being a woman. And yes, she wore a dress. She also held a gun. She also stood in the front. She also was confident. She also made decisions. She also showed emotion. So the just the multiple dimensions and the features of that single character I took for granted. I did not realize, because I was a child, I did not realize how important, how pivotal, how how much that really did impact me, because I grew up uh, uh, believing that that was a way in which some some women could be, should be. And it didn't dawn on me that that it was so groundbreaking. And so I didn't really have full... I didn't have a, an appreciation for it until much later when I could really... I hate to say these words, but like analyze and reflect on on the representations of women
3: throughout the years. Well, yeah, you had more the years. points of comparison when you were, yeah. when you were older. So so i I
2: really cherish and and i'm I really feel lucky to be able to experience her kind of through like a child's eyes and and really um, integrate as much of of her personality into my learning about females in film and just females in general. and And I cannot, you know, that to me is is what is hugely important about about Carrie Fisher as well as the character of Princess Leia.
3: Yeah, not seeing Star Wars until I was in my teens. I, I, my experience with princesses until then was mostly Disney animated films, right. which is quite a different picture. And you know your description of how multifaceted she, that Leia was, and she was just, and by multifaceted, I mean she was a rounded-out human being. And even now in film... It's gotten better, but we're, you know, when they say strong female character, it's this can be this one dimensional, like just physically strong, like character who kicks butt, but doesn't have, you know, the vulnerability that we see in Leia, like the emotion, the leadership even sometimes. So I do think it's important to remember, you know, I'm all for and I've been on board. We've done a show about Rey talking about how important she is. And she is because she's the first build lead character, female mm-hmm. character in a Star Wars film. But we wouldn't have Rey without Leia. Right. And Leia for being a character, you know, do we have enough women in Star Wars? No, absolutely not.
2: Wait, are you sure? There are, I are too don't many. Know. Too
3: many. There were two, like two in the first That's movie. That's too many. <laughs> Um, I'm just kidding. I, I, obviously. That would be a very short podcast. <laughs> uh, though people do think that. Yeah. What was I? Oh, but Leia, that even for... That was 1977, and we got a character that was... A female character that was that nuanced and developed, and we're still struggling with that on some fronts now. So to put it in that context, Leia's a big deal, it is a big deal. And I don't want to minimize or
2: discount the experience of young boys growing up. And Very
3: true.
2: I imagine that they wanted to be Han Solo or they wanted to be Luke Skywalker. Uh, maybe they wanted to be Leia. But I I love the idea that as we're experiencing her through our, our female lens, uh, there are others who experience her and appreciate her for for some of the same reasons. Yeah, uh, you don't have absolutely. to identify as female to, to really um,
3: to recognize yeah. yeah those qualities. It's very a little bit related because I'm sure women felt this way too. But I like always liked hearing Carrie Fisher's comments about. You know, when when men would tell her that she was part of their adolescence and not in like, you know, like in the like, oh, you wore that metal bikini and I thought of you every day. Right. Like her responses to that were always, because that would be terribly awkward to have somebody tell you. I couldn't imagine. She talks about it in in the
2: book that was released, I believe in November of 2016. I have it here because I wanted to read, her reactions to getting the part of Princess Leia. If you don't mind my yeah, doing that. Yeah, that would be perfect. I will. Uh, and I was going to do it later. Maybe I'll do it now. Uh, and and in this book, which I really recommend, I know that last month we talked about, we talked about it a little bit. It's, it's the Princess Diarist. And uh, she does refer to what it's like to be at conventions and other places where she's signing her pictures and she's hearing about people's personal stories and grown men are telling her what it was like when they were kids, and I think that um, there's just this this very interesting description of that. On the one hand, she does admit that it's sometimes awkward, and as a you know a lady in her fifties, you know forties and fifties, and throughout the years, it it did become um somewhat uncomfortable but she's able to really experience that in a way that she removes herself from it and she has quite um i would say quite a, a large amount of respect for fans even if that's one of the one of the things that they share with her and i think that that takes a lot of integrity it takes a lot of resiliency and um and and to to read about that is is like i feel like i'm in her mind like in this book i think is incredibly uh raw it's very open she talks about her relationship with Harrison Ford she talks about feeling like a, you know a girl with a crush and how she had to keep secrets and how uh they she felt as though in her words it was like having a one night stand but over a long period of time
3: so it is very it is very raw yeah that's of, and and she was quite young when that was happening.
2: She was I, I sort of feel like either 17 or 18 during that time. Yeah, during the New Hope. Yeah, she was quite young. Shall I read? Yes, as please. as I do on our show. Okay. So what I'm going to read is just a section on what it was like for her to get the part. Okay. Of it's... Princess Leia. And I, I didn't want to read too much of this actually, because especially toward the end of the book, because I really recommend that people experience it, uh, and it's, you know, in from beginning context, to end. Sure. But I think this was, um, just so, so impactful. Um, so to put it in context, she, she did, uh, she did, um, I almost said she applied for the job. She, she read for the part and um, and she said that she read with Harrison, who she considered someone new, someone who she'd never seen before on the scene. Um, and she says, I was so nervous about the reading, I don't rem- remember much about Harrison. And given how nervous Harrison would come to make me, that was plenty frightened indeed. The following week, my agent, a man who'd been my mother's agent, and was now mine, called me. Carrie, he asked. I knew my name, so I let him know I knew it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) That's probably like, yeah? (laughs) I said in a a voice very like mine, mine but hollow, mine but it didn't matter because my stomach had swung into action. They called, he said. Great, because that was really all I wanted to know. If they called, that they called, not what they said, that didn't matter. They want you, he continued. There was a silence. They do? I mean, they did? He laughed. Then I laughed and dropped the phone and ran out into the front yard and into the street. It was raining. It didn't rain in LA. It was raining in LA. And I was (laughs) Princess Leia. I had never been Princess Leia before, and now I would be her forever. I would never not be Princess Leia. I had no idea how profoundly true that was and how long forever was.
3: Oh, that just gave me chills and tears. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, that's on the bingo card of questions. Is you know, did you know when you signed on for this movie that it was right? right it'd be as big as, and I would hear a tease like, "Yes, I did know," and <laughs> and that that that's a fundamentally life changing. Phone call. Right. Because what I, Leia was, and I'm sure she would have been successful regardless. She already had, you know, had to start an in entertainment industry. She was already doing things with her mother on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Debbie Reynolds, who we also tragically lost very near to Carrie's death. But what would her life have been if she wasn't Princess Leia? I don't want to know because I'm glad that we have her right. <laughs> as part of our as part of a story that we love so much. But as we touched on, that's far from the only work she should be recognized for in in her time with us. And she did, I feel like, remarkable things as far as awareness and advocacy. For mental health and talked very openly about things in person uh, in her book and slash show wishful drinking which i finally read while i was on the cruise hmm. crying in the adult oh. coffee <laughs> oh, shop no. but you know she talks very openly about having uh electro convulsive oh there ect thank yep. you yes yes And, you know, what that did to her memories and that she, you know, kind of part of wishful drinking was part of her trying to claw back and remember who she was. And, which is a terrifying prospect to me, but she, you know, she talked about weighing the cost versus the benefit of of having that done. And just that she, you know, she had a platform she had a voice and she didn't shy away from discussing those things and how she processed them, how she faced them, the hardships she had. I I think that's helped a lot of people. Absolutely.
2: I have not read that book by her, but it's, it's definitely something I want to pick up very soon. I had known about her mental illness and she talked so openly about it especially in the last few years before her death what i think is especially meaningful about that um in addition to to everything you're saying about the just the struggle the struggle itself with living with uh with mental illness and in particular she talked about depression and bipolar disorder in addition to the very personal private struggle and having to deal with the impact of the treatment and the um, just the continuous nature of a mental health illness like bipolar disorder and for folks who are not as familiar with bipolar disorder it's not as if you have it for some time and then it gets cured or go it goes away even with treatment you're you continue to live with it oh it's a
3: constant okay absolutely I actually didn't know that.
2: I, I would it depends on the severity mm-hmm. of the bipolar disorder. And of course, it depends on the the type of treatment and someone's willingness to stick with the treatment, which, to be honest, um most treatments uh, are going to have some side effects or or some um some impact, especially if what you're trying to do is manage your manic episodes, which are those um, periods of time where you're feeling elated. Very, um, you know, very high. Some folks say that they feel like they can, they can do anything. And while in, a, in that moment, it's such an amazing feeling, it's dangerous because you end up uh, behaving in ways that's not like you. You engage in risky behavior. You um, make a lot of uh, mistakes interpersonally that you wish you hadn't. And so you're kind of, it's like an extreme mood.
3: Can I point out, ties into something I heard her say on a panel. She was, and I will link to this panel. It was from Indiana, uh, a, a convention in Indiana, I think, in 2015. And it was just, she was on point and witty and sharp from beginning to end. And it was one of the most enjoyable 45, 50 minutes of my life. And she would tease when she said answers and she'd be like, oh, but you can't trust anything I'm saying because I'm bipolar. And then she looked in the eye and She's like, "Oh, I like that kid. Like I can tell. Like is asking their parent what bipolar is right now." And she wow. and her very charming. And that was another thing. She not that you have to be funny about these things to make it more palatable, but I feel like she had a it, when she talked about it publicly that I have seen. Mm-hmm. She kind of she presented it in such a way that. Not that she kind of laughed at it. I don't know. It was a definitely a way that makes it more relatable. So she was like, Let me tell you what bipolar is. She's like, sometimes you feel like you wanna go like you feel very fast and then you'll feel very sad. And she's like, and sometimes both at once, those days are fun. (laughs) (laughs) And She's right. So that seems like it's tying in because I with what you're what you're saying about how it
2: Yes, that is one of the the best ways to capture it. I mean, essentially, you have mood episodes where you have highs and you have lows, and for some people, it's rapid cycling, meaning you have multiple highs and multiple lows, and it's very difficult to manage. Feels like a roller coaster. For others, there's longer periods of time between those episodes, or that the lows are more frequent and the duration is longer, and the highs are um, are, are infrequent. And the reason I say that is that when you try to... I'm, I'm making all these movements with my hands. When you try to manage those mood episodes, you're stabilizing. You're trying to find a a baseline or a stable mood. And that means that those highs have to be moderated and brought down. Ah, I see. Right? Okay. That means, of course, those lows, luckily, will be less severe and you bring... You hopefully will lift mood a little bit. But it may mean that, especially for folks who are... Well, for anybody, but especially for folks who feel more creative when they're uh, when they're feeling elated or high or in a manic episode, um, it can be stifling. It can be it can feel painful. It can feel um, that it's that it's somehow changing um, or impacting their personality. Now, for folks who really truly have experienced treatment at the end of the day, they they know that that's not the case. but, those anxieties, those fears, those kind of worries about like what is that treatment going to do to my natural state. Um, if I were to be honest about that, uh, what should happen with really um, you know, well-delivered uh, gold standard treatment, which usually includes psychotherapy medication, not necessarily ECT, although some folks do re- still receive that, is that someone will Get to a point where they feel their normal, their sense of stable, so that they're no longer erratic. They're no longer out of control. They're no longer um, behaving in a way that they feel is kind of like outside of their own norm. And I love Carrie's uh, description of it, the way she captures it, because some people don't want to let go of that. And yet at the same time, they do want to be well and they do want to function and they want to. They want to stay on this earth, uh, because a lot of times the pain in either one of those states is so unbearable that suicide is is very common with bipolar disorder,
3: so it's a constant even looking for to get help or getting the treatment is still like it's not like, I'm going to put a band-aid right on this, and it's going to stop bleeding, and I'll feel better because you could feel like you're losing part of yourself mm-hmm. just by trying to get to that. To that middle ground. Right. Yeah, that's, like, having that additional context, like, that makes her all the more remarkable to me. That she, and then there's the side, too, of dealing with that and dealing with it when you are a public figure. Right. And the pressures that probably come with that. I didn't get to watch, I know HBO pushed up the release They They recorded a documentary that's, that's been in the can for a while about Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher and their relationship. And I only have seen the preview, but from the preview, I, you know, there's just a, a brief edited bit where Debbie Reynolds talks about, you know, when Carrie Fisher was growing up, that they didn't know a name. Or they didn't exactly. Oh, they couldn't. They you know she totally. didn't know what she was going. Totally. So not
2: And if what you, to do about? It. If you think about somebody who's so young, who's in the film industry, there's you know a, a lot of pressure, and those what I would you know use the word like mood swings or episodes or wh- whatever they were thinking at that time. How would they know? How, at yeah, the time, what would you? There was so little understanding, so little research, not really. Um, A a solid, fundamental uh, medical and psychiatric resource for them to rely on. So I can imagine it was very confusing.
3: Yes, it had to be uh, frustrating for both parties, or not both any parties involved, right? And in your experience, you know, working in the field that you do, it's does it have an effect? Because like I can see on social media or. Or, you know, anecdotally, people talking about how Carrie's openness about what she was going through helped them. But in your experience, have there been, like, just not, I know I'm, like, putting you on the spot, but, like, studies or just, you know, like, in your personal experience, have you seen that our people who we, you know, have on pedestals who we consider heroes, Mm -hmm. you know, them sharing their, you know, their... How they've dealt with, with mental health or even substance abuse. Does that help? Absolutely. One thing
2: that Carrie has given us is what you referred to before, the way in which she plainly and openly discusses she doesn't sugarcoat no, things. She's very frank about it. It's a part of her I, it's it's a part of her life. She doesn't talk about it as if it consumes her and or she didn't talk about it as if it consumes her I'm still getting used to this. Yeah. Um she presented it in such an in such a frank way that it allowed for us to see it in its in its realness and to not stigmatize it, which is a huge yes. problem in our society to associate it with negative things, to associate mental illness with um, the inability to reach our dreams or goals. I think that to see someone so successful and someone who all her life has been dealing with this uh, and living with mental illness, the experience for us, uh, I mean, speaking for folks who are not celebrities, for instance, the experience for us to see that, that's very inspiring. And it allows for us to uh, to be more comfortable and open with whatever issues and struggles that we may be dealing with or, or uh, living with. So the, I always think about this in terms of the power of someone's voice around mental health, and I do think that people who are celebrities, people who have high profiles, you know their their uh, their voice reaches. The public. Their voice Uh reaches so many more people. And so on the one hand, it is about understanding how common it is and how most of us at some point are going to be dealing with mental health issues. Um, I should be very, very straightforward about the the numbers here. One in five people at some point in their life will have a, a diagnosable mental health disorder. Most of us, however, will have Um, some experience with it, whether it's experiencing like a traumatic episode um, or traumatic event, I should say, or uh, having known somebody personally in their family who's struggling with mental health issues. This is a little bit of a tangent, but the power that 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 figure has in terms of opening up awareness, decreasing stigmatization, and... And allowing for folks to themselves reach out for help is so important. I, I, I'm i absolutely... Uh, I feel thankful. I feel so much gratitude for what she's done for the mental health community. Absolutely.
3: That makes... Yeah, I'm just constant. I'm like warm and fuzzy <laughs> feelings because it, it, normalizing what people go through with that like I think it's it's getting better but I still see people treat depression or, or things like that as like well can't you just get out of bed and feel better it's like well no. can you stop your diabetes by just like pushing a button that's not how it exactly. it's not how it works so I think and I think she will be in, in remembered that's something that she'll be remembered for And like you said, she had such a successful career, you know, despite or she was, you know, able to to deal with her any hurdles she had and not only speak, uh, she acted in, in more things than just Star Wars. When Harry Met Sally comes to mind for me, because that's the other thing I know her most from. Uh, And we've already talked about her writing a little. Uh, There's the Princess Diaries, Wishful Drinking, Postcards from the Edge, which I am embarrassed to say I have not seen or read. But she also has a wealth of work that she's not as well known for in that she was a script doctor, which I think is another... uh, it's not, I mean, sometimes I'm baffled by the amount of titles in in Hollywood as far as who does what and when, right. like in a single film, if you watch the credits, I still don't know what a gaffer does. I feel like that's something I should know as many sets. I'm like, maybe I've talked to a gaffer on set and I didn't. You're talking to a gaffer right now. Am no, I? I'm kidding. I it. <laughs> but the script doctrine, she got into that in the nineties and there wasn't, the thing like a script doctor is kind of like a consultant, so it's not like, it, it's not a credit in a film. So there wasn't a lot of information readily available about what she worked on. So slash film, uh, Peter Scarretta at Flash, slash film after her death, specifically went and like dug around her, her interviews to see like what she talked about working on, what she referenced and kind of put together cobbled together like a lot of basically the most information we have in one place as far as I know about her script doctoring and I'll link to it in the show notes but you'll learn she worked on things like Hook the wedding singer she did a few things in Return of the Jedi too for Leia's dialogue um but I would like to read a quote she talked about how she got into it she, and I'll link to this in the show notes as well. But she said she was asked to adapt an interview she did for Esquire into a movie. So she said, I was asked to write a book based on an interview I did for Esquire. I was asked to write a notification or a notification, a nonfiction book, and I didn't. So I was asked to adapt that book, and then I started doing rewrites. And some of the quotes. They pulled, talked about how she'd be brought in to, eat, like, uh, what's that word when you're, uh, like, kind of punch, like, add, kind of punch up the dialogue. Right. And uh, I think in Wedding, Wedding Singer specifically, and in Hook, she was brought in to, like, with Tinkerbell's part, with Drew Barrymore's character, like, be the, be the lady voice. Mm-hmm. Because it is still a problem in Hollywood that a lot of people who write and direct films are a lot of males and not that men can't write women and women can't write men, but sometimes it takes a little, another eye to to tweak the dialogue. And so I thought that was just a fascinating, like, slice of her career that she did for a while. And from what I'm reading, I think she mentioned it in some interview that I read, that it was very lucrative. That, and if you think about, I don't have numbers in front of me but if you hear about how much Tony Gilroy got paid to come in and work on Rogue One you know towards the very end on the story mm-hmm. I can I can only yeah I can imagine hmm. that that was a a well paying little side career that that she did but she I guess at some point it kind of turned into a like we will are, you know, we don't, we're not sure what we want fixed on the script. So we're going to consider a few different writers. So tell us what you would do and we'll decide between one of you and then we'll mm. hire somebody. Mm-hmm. So you're essentially doing all that work. Almost like auditioning spec. for yeah. the job of the so, script doctor. So she was kind of just like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do free work. I don't want to jump through like all of these hoops just so you don't hire me and... She stopped. I don't know exactly when she stopped, but
2: I love the quote that I'm seeing here around that time where she said, um, That's free work. And that's what I always call life wasting events. Yes. Which is, (laughs) is such a Carrie Fisher thing to say. Part of that is being, you know, kind of snarky and witty. But I also think part of that is honestly how she felt about it.
3: And then honestly, how I feel about, I mean, I, I don't know if you, I'm sure you get that as well. Like, could you just consult? i just, if you could, I could just ask you a quick question yeah. about this, how this would work in the context of this, this, and this. And you're like, that's actually like a five hour question. right? And if you're not going to pay <laughs> me, it's yeah. a life-wasting it's event. <laughs> and I think that's, I want to take that. When people ask me to write something for exposure, I'm using bunny ears right now, I would be like... That is a life-wasting event. If it's that, <laughs> needs to be just our hashtag. Anytime
2: our response, anytime that comes across our uh, our feed, we should just be
3: hashtag
2: life-wasting event.
3: I'm really embracing this as a motto now. I kind of want to get a an enamel pin made. I love I, it. I'm gonna make a note to look. I love that. <laughs> to look into that. That could be like a fun little <laughs> a fun little giveaway. But, but late yet late another
2: another way that Carrie Fisher has has shaped us, yes. really. <laughs> like you're you should be valued and your job is important and you're talented, and you shouldn't be giving it away.
3: yeah, and don't feel shy about that or, or wrong about wanting to be recognized and paid for yeah what you do. Yeah, she's one heck of a lady. was well, it's, it's hard to. To think about it in past tense terms. But I hope we touched on a few of the reasons why she was amazing and and what she meant to us. Is there anything else you would like to add, Drea? I'm
2: I'm hopeful that her wisdom and her um, light will continue to shine. I think that it's not just Star Wars fans that that were impacted by her, which which is almost impossible to really fully grasp, you know, to really fully comprehend in terms of how much she has impacted the uh, the industry, you know the entertainment industry as well as uh, literature as well as um, feminism, and again, mental health and the mental health community. So, I am um, my heart is full. I, I feel so fulfilled, and I I'm so grateful for everything that she has given us. It's hard to be too upset. It's hard to be too sad, and um, and there are people on this earth who are completely heartbroken, and I I want. I want to be respectful of that level of pain, mm-hmm. um, and I cannot imagine it. I'm, I'm just uh, completely um, gutted to to even think what that experience is like. And so, um, my heart goes out to those folks who knew her personally. And um, the only thing that I can do is is keep keep uh, trying to do what we do together, and to. Um, speak our our truths and um, and and to just keep on going
3: yeah I think she was such I've always described her as just a force of nature and I think that's an admirable thing to be when you like aren't afraid to say what's on your mind when you're you know when you're not afraid to when you have no pretenses, when you're just you and that's what you show to the world and they can take it or leave it, I think that's admirable. And I think that's something to strive for. And I like that she loved glitter. <laughs> I think that is a a small but wonderful, I mean, compared to her other legacies. But if more people can appreciate how lovely glitter is because of Carrie Fisher, I think that's symbolic. She She lived a life... With glitter. As cheesy as that sounds. (laughs) And as you said, my heart goes out to to Billy Lord. I can't even imagine losing your mother and and grandmother in the span of days. Uh, And to Gary Fisher, because I feel like Gary is probably very sad. And her brother Todd, and just her family and friends. And Debbie's family and friends is just... It's hard. Yeah. But cheers with our tea and water to an amazing lady. I'm not going to try to clink it because we'll spill it on the audio equipment and that would be not a not a great way to end the evening. But thank you, Carrie Fisher, I think, for all you did and everyone you inspired. And <laughs> on that very cheerful note Um, please subscribe to Lattes with Leia this sounds like such a weird transition it does but that's
2: what we do at the end of the show that's what we
3: do at the end of the show Um, I'll keep it brief since it does feel like a shill Uh, so subscribe by following Coffee with Kenobi on iTunes or on Stitcher Uh, please get in touch with us to share your thoughts about running in a Star Wars marathon, tequila, Carrie Fisher. <laughs> Our <laughs> new show, Tequila Tauntauns. <laughs> if you have any suggestions for show art or want to show us pictures of your, not your tequila, of the meta. If you if you run a Star Wars Disney race and want to show us medals. Especially the dark side. Um, if you ran that, I would love to,
2: to see some photos of your medals.
3: Yes. I'm jealous. Just don't tell her where you live because she'll come steal them. Um, but you can get a hold of us at uh, lattes with Leia on Twitter and also lattes with Leia at and Andrea, where can folks find you online? On Twitter I'm at Arkham Asylum Doc and my
2: website is underthemaskonline.com where you can find a few things that I write as well as my other podcast about pop culture called the Arkham Sessions.
3: Perfect. And you can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at AB underscore geek in my writing on StarWars.com and Nerdist.com. So thank you all for listening. I hope it helped you process whatever you're going through. And I'm Amy, and for Drea, may the Force be with you. Chewie, get us out of here! <laughs>
1: If you love Star Wars and love the excitement of chasing your favorite Star Wars collectibles, the Star Wars Digital Card Trader collecting app from Tops is for you. Download the free app from iTunes or Google Play and collect your favorite images from the classic 1977 Star Wars cards to Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, The Force Awakens, and much more. Collect and trade with friends new and old through the Star Wars Digital Card Trader collecting app from Tops. These are the cards you're looking for.